Yeah, 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 yeah. When I pull up on the scene, dead fresh and cats get clean, nigga. Yes, yes, yes. Glad to have you back around. Of course, that's Deem. I'm Kay, and this is the Biscayne Breakdown. Um, before we hop right into it, uh, as we always do around this time, how you doing, Deem? I'm good. Funny little All Star Weekend, but other than that, man, I'm 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 good, man. For sure, for sure. Yeah, man. That's something we're gonna dive into a little bit. Um, funny is one way to describe it. Uh, many people have many uh, ways of describing it at this particular juncture. Uh, again, funny is one way to describe it. Poor, putrid, um, uninteresting, uninterested as far as the NBA players go. Um, I heard it put together today, and it probably was first take where I heard it. But they were like, the thought of being selected to an all-star game is intriguing to the players, but the act of playing in the All-Star game isn't. And though it seems so simple, um, it's exactly right. Like, it's definitely something you want to show up on your B-Ball reference page, but it's not like you have any interest in going and, and, and going at least semi-decently hard. Um, hey, yo, that's crazy. And going at least, like, you know, 50%, 60% to put on a competitive good showing. Because, I mean, as they also alliterated to the oohs and the ahs in the building, you know, from some of the things you like used to seeing your favorite NBA athletes do, it's not the same as far as the way it translates to a TV audience, because I have to say I was more in and out. Um, of course, All-Star Saturday night was the highlight. Um, I just caught the highlights of everything else or, you know what I mean, social media. But with that on, you know, with that on the docket or whatever, if we go into the All-Star Saturday night, I mean, because there's no need to rehash what's been rehashed since you know over the last day or so since the ending buzzer of the all-star game and i mean like the vitriol was immediately the response was immediate you see people saying that you know they've always set aside time or they've made appointment viewing or they never miss one and this year they just found themselves totally checked out as far as the miami heat go they did have representation um on all three nights of course um not that we'll get too much into it but of course in the first night in the Rising Stars Challenge, they had Hami Hakez and Alondis Williamson. And then in on the Saturday night All-Star Docket, they had Hami Hakez in the dunk contest. And of course, you had Bam Adebayo representing the Miami Heat in the All-Star game. So starting from Friday night, and again, we're not going to spend too much time on it because it is what it is. The formats are a little wanky. Um, they had four teams. Each of the four teams competed. And then the final four teams competed. I mean, then the final two teams competed in the in the last matchup of the Rising Stars Challenge, um, or at least this current iteration. And the Miami Heat, again, had a presence in that game. Of course, Hami Hakez, but one of Alondis Williams, a guy who just um, actually received the Miami Heat's last two-way contract when, you know, they parted ways with R.J. Hampton. Um, he really showed out. And I know you said that you didn't catch much of, much of it, Dean, um, but – Let's take a look at just a little bit um, of what he was able to do in the Rising Stars Challenge on Friday night, if we have that. The Sioux Falls Skyboards, Alondez Williams! Everybody else to, to shine as well. Williams attacking Wemby at one! Brings it up himself. 
Alondis Williams. Wow! Kaysen Wallace, first 25 game. Whoa. Okay, oh, Alondis Williams. That himself. Wow. McClung, crossover. Finds him in the corner. Alondis Williams. And that was a rainbow. I mean, look, man. It's the format that we're talking about All-Star Weekend. And I know we, again, started off the pie um, just expressing how everybody's been bashing the effort. And you don't really look at that game either as one that a whole lot of effort was given. But what you do see um, is him showing off his abilities and his skill against other high-quality, younger NBA talent. Um, and I'm sure you guys heard me in the background, especially on that last move along the baseline, the spin move. Um, to finish at the rim, he's shown that, you know, he has some absolute NBA ability in there when it comes to scoring the basketball. Something that's been on highlight or been on display um, all year long in his G League tenure. But, yeah, that was just something I wanted to highlight from the Miami Heat's latest edition or, you know, their as they reconfigured their roster to head down the stretch here from their two-way edition in, in place of R.J. Hampton. Um, again, Dame, I know it's not much to chomp on, and I know you say you haven't seen a ton of them, but, I mean, you have to be at least a little bit encouraged about what you were able to see in that small video, right? Um, honestly speaking, man, uh, no, nah, not really. I, I don't get hyped over, you know, 30-second highlight videos, you know. He been but, killing them all year in the G League, though. I'm just saying. That's just – Yeah, yeah. I, like, like, I, like, like, I – me and you were talking about privately. Right. I I haven't watched a second of that guy play. Like, I never heard of this guy until you know, until recently. I kept. I honestly, I seen George. I seen George post about him a few times before they signed him. Before they signed him, I seen George post about him a few times. Um, and after they signed him, I seen. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but I remember seeing somebody post his uh stat line. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's cool and all, but you know, it is against the it is in a G League. Like I, I don't I never seen this guy play a, a second in college. I don't know where he's come from. I don't know what he's good at. Like I, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you about a guy I don't know about. And I'm not gonna lie to to you. Or to the people listening, like as just I, I don't know, I, but I, I, I'm confident that you know maybe he can be a little something because I see how, you know, good Miami develops players and and things like that, and I think you know Heat fans everywhere should feel a, a, a little, a little something about it because we see how good they develop guys, but I, I, I can't tell you I'm, I'm like super excited or. I feel a way. I, I just I can't. I, I'm just type. I'm just gonna wait and see how it plays out. Absolutely, I can't be mad at that. I mean, that's that's decent enough. Like, I mean, definitely not tripping on that take. Um, again, I just said you know not excited, but encouraged was the word I used. But again, man, I understand exactly what you're saying. So moving on to the other participant in the Rising Stars Challenge, but not so much as participation in that event. You moved to Saturday night, as we mentioned, their representation on that night, Miami Heat-style representation, um, was Jaime Jaquez Jr. in the um, slam dunk competition. So we're not going to comment on the results or what happened. Um, and you can get a Jalen Brown joke in 
if you want to or two. But that's my whole point. Um, for me, I would say my only takeaway was, you know, Hame came into a losing battle. Not even, not many people even knew that he had, you know, bounce like he had. So to see him in that contest was a little shock to people's system. But I will say this on the results: when you look at them, um, Hame Hakez wasn't better than the than, than Toppin's brother, um, and and of course he wasn't better than McClung, but he shouldn't have been behind Jalen Brown. And I think that's all I will say about that. Did you have any thoughts on that particular subject, Dan? Oh, man. The, the dunk contest has been horrible. Um, I, man, I don't even know what to say, bro. I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. Like, it, it, I, it was bad. To me, honestly, it was bad all around. I think the, the best dunk last night came from uh, – the topping brother, I think he had the best dunk all night with the the, the between the legs three sixty dunk. I think that was that might have been the best dunk all night, and that only got him like a, a forty six or I think it was like a forty six that got him. It, bro, it was just it was just bad all around in my opinion. I I think the uh the dunk over Shaq by by both by uh. What's his name? McLaughlin, McLaughlin, and and, and uh, Jamie. I think it was just bad. I think both of them dunks was bad. Uh, the Jalen Brown dunk over uh, the streamer Kai. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I just know he's a well-known streamer. His name Kai, something like that. That was the worst dunk possible, bro. And I got him what of a, a, a damn near fifty, like. Come on, man. Like it, it was horrible judging. It was horrible dunks all around. And we, I know we're gonna dive more into that, but it it was just bad. I, I think they just need to scrap the dunk contest in awe, if my opinion. I don't think the dunk contest was worse than the year uh Jalen Green and all of them was in it, but it, it this was pretty bad. Um I mean basically when you look at Jalen Brown's dunk over Kai Sinai, I want to say is how they say his name. Um, the boy ain't but like, what, five, 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 six, max, if that. And then Jalen Brown also sat him in a chair. Like, I mean, you know yeah, what I mean? That was bad. And like, then, I mean, oh, wait, wait. That wasn't even the worst part. The worst like part he, is he tried to fake and hit him with the D Brown. Yeah. Like, he did. come on, man. And he was looking the whole entire time and didn't cover his eyes until he was on his way down. Um, and, I mean, he got to realize that with all this technology, it's going to get slow-mo. So he literally, you know, I mean, like, literally. in he his got his own dunk. Bro, like a, like a second before he hit the ground, he covered his eyes. And he left his eyes closed, or he left his over his eyes as he was on the ground, like he was supposed to fool us. It was really, really WWE on his part right there. No shots to them, because we know that's Kafabi, but what was he doing? Anyway, speaking of the dunk contest, man, um, there was a point made, not to reference back to first take. This isn't first take this game breakdown edition, but they made some they made some decent points on this episode. Um, no real hoops until Thursday, so they had, you know, to discuss the All-Star Weekend. But Stephen A. Smith said that 
he blames LeBron. And coming off just hearing that initially, you'd be like, oh, it's clickbait. Because anytime you mention LeBron name, you're going to get views. And that's a fair point. However, if you listen to his stance and what he means when he says it, he is not necessarily wrong from my perspective. Um, now, of course, Dean doesn't agree. And we're going to get to that. But before we have our debate, or before we at least speak our piece on each particular side of the equation, um, let's actually take a look at what Stephen A. had to say. LeBron James is directly oh. responsible for ruining the slam. <laughs> Oh, are you serious? Yes, he is. Thank you. Said, yes, he is. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. And I'm not laughing. I'm dead serious. All that other stuff, Hall of Fame, Mount Rushmore, phenomenal, four-time champion, all that other stuff. We will miss him when he's gone. Appreciate his greatness, the whole bit. Mm-hmm. The one thing, Shannon, the one thing, I'll even let Shannon, I'm so serious about this, I'll shut up about the GOAT debate if you hear me out. Okay? Okay. The... Slam dunk contest. I got the stat here, Shannon, because when we're talking about the slam dunk contest from 1985 to 1997, five of the 13 slam dunk contests were won by future Hall of Famers Jordan twice, Dominique Wilkins twice, Kobe once. Michael Jordan participated in the contest three times. Dominique Wilkins five times. Five. Every, every high jumper, every skywalker, every above-the-rim talent, salivated for the opportunity to compete in the slam dunk contest. It stopped when LeBron James said, I'm not doing it. And from that point forward, the stars who followed didn't feel compelled to prioritize a slam dunk contest. The tradition that was set by others preceding LeBron James. We watched LeBron James, and then you know what he did, Shannon, to rub it in, to rub it in? He do it on the layup lines before games. You went to the games and you had people with the cameras clicking and going crazy because they saw LeBron James using a layup line pregame as his own slam dunk performance. And he did it on purpose. Okay? So what I'm saying to you is when we look at the demise of the slam dunk from an historical perspective, there is no one who knows basketball who will refute what I'm saying. There is no one who would do it. LeBron James refusing to participate in the slam dunk contest was the beginning and the spark plug of its demise. Period. You know there what? is no one who I'm... can dispute that. So as I mentioned before we showed you all the video, I um, apologize for the leap, but it was important to get out the total point there. I mentioned that me and Dean were on different sides of the issue. Um, I, in fact, think that what he's saying has a lot of logic to it. It it actually, he's probably right. I mean, because at the end of the day, even if you want to say the creativity is gone, the different types of athletes in the NBA and just the way they explode or the way they go about jumping or the way they go about finishing, that will bring different style into it. But, of course, it's just like everything else. We like to see that from our stars in whatever that arena is. Like, you know, we love the double XL freshman list every year, but if you had a choice to go to a concert of double XL freshmen and established artists, you're gonna pick the established artists, even though they're both in the event. Maybe it's a poor analogy, but what I'm saying is to see people who you hardly know their name 
do the same thing as people that you're familiar with them delivering time and time again in a certain aspect. It just isn't of comparison. So when you think about the point that other superstars or other guys capable of bringing a certain flair level of entertainment to the slam dunk contest aren't pr participating based on the notion that a guy like LeBron is deemed it irrelevant to his career, even when superstars before him, you know, did participate, there's definitely some level of merit to that. Um, I can't say that's a hundred percent the sole reason, but I will say it's probably like 75, 80%. So if that's the case in my mind, um, I have to say that I agree with what he's saying. And again, Dean doesn't agree. So the floor is yours. Yeah. I, um, I think that's like a hundred percent wrong. We sitting here blaming a, a, a player for not participating in something. And he just because he didn't participate in it, it's his fault on how it's declined. No, it, like that's just 100 percent wrong. It declined because the guys who who was in it just didn't didn't do good at it. And the guys that we continually to put in it hasn't been hasn't been good at it. So let's say LeBron James would have done the dunk contest before and it was still bad. We we still going to blame blame him for for that? Like I the, the, that's I can't what I'm answer not that Cause my cause my thing is if he was in it, we wouldn't have nothing to blame him for. I'm scratching my head and I point to my head, by the way. Sorry guys, sorry Dean, I ain't gonna send the wrong message. But what I was saying was like if he was in it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I can't answer that question. Like just no, I, no, 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 no. We we would have because if if we go to previous dunk contests with guys like let's for instance like guys like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. They wasn't big name guys, and still to this day, they they still might not be big name guys. Mm, and that dunk contest was great. Oh no, that bro. probably was like, the best top picks. No, 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 no. They Come were on, top man. picks, bro. That was that was the best dunk contest, probably ever. And and, and like so, so come on, man. It, it was guys. I remember the 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 Nate Robinson dunk contest. Great dunk contest, man. Nate Robinson made a name off himself off that dunk contest. So, all right, let's say this. The All-Star game has also been horrible. Horrible. In recent years. Is that LeBron James' fault, too? The, the NFL Pro Bowl has been so horrible, they made it a flag football game. Is that LeBron James' fault, too? Come on, Dean. That's different. That's no, different, no, 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 Dean. no, 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 no. It's, it's no difference. It's it's we blaming a guy who's considered probably one of the greatest basketball. If he's not, if people don't got him as the greatest, he's 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 one of the greatest. So he's top five. That's just for for sake of argument, he's a top five player all time. Him and what Shannon Sharp said was right. LeBron James going into that dunk contest, into any dunk contest in, in any of his, what, 20-year 20, 20 career, if he would have joined at any time, win or lose, it would have did nothing for his career. Nothing for his career. So, I, I mean, I, I just think, I think all around, like, that's just a horrible argument. And this is what I mean by, you know, we want so much of LeBron James and, is is he damned if he do, 
he's damned if he don't. If he would have joined the dunk contest and never won it, it would have been, look, he can't even win a dunk contest. Jordan won two of them. And now was he never joined it. And it's your fault that the dunk contest is horrible. It's your fault that, that the All-Star weekend has been deemed horrible. So it's like LeBron James, is he damned if he do, he's damned if he don't. I, I mean, you, you, he can't win with, with the NBA media fans or anything. Like I think it's just horrible to blame him for how horrible the, the All-Star weekend has become. Well, again, I'm not going to let the people think I said that. You're being strong. I'm not blaming him for the totality of All-Star weekend or, you know, like, um, something like the Pro Bowl, which is totally, I mean, wow, what a, what a wreck. But, um, I mean, you know, again, I think there's merit to the whole dunk contest thing. We look forward to it when they were guys we recognized, like Vince Carter's dunk contest, um, Arm in the Rim is arguably, you know, the best dark com- dunk contest performance ever. So it's just like, I get, I, I can't buy a lot of your points though, because LeBron is definitely you know what I mean? Screw either way he go. There's no way he can win in a lot of situations. Um, I agree. But I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know, man. It's just something interesting to think about. So, I mean, and, and but wait, to go back go to that. LeBron James did mention one time during All-Star Weekend to where as though he, he did say, I remember when, when I think the White Howard, I think it was the year Dwight did the Superman uh, dunk. Mm-hmm. He did. I do remember him saying that, you know, he was going to be in a dunk contest the the, the following year. I remember him saying he, he did want to be in a dunk contest. But, I mean, like, come on, man. We also got to realize that I don't think the fans is that much even engaged in the All-Star Weekend like, a, like it was previous years, okay? And for me personally, who, since I was a younger, I was super excited about All-Star Weekend to watch the three-point contest, the, even the skill challenge, and especially the dunk contest. It's like it, it's been turned off even by the consumer. Like, have you seen how empty them seats was in Indiana last night at in an All-Star game? It was like, it was pretty empty that I, I, I thought to myself, like, if you pay attention, the NBA had the 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 the, the lights off in the seat section to where it was just like, I, it was just completely blacked out. But at times where you could see inside the sections, it was a lot of empty seats there in Indiana. Like I mentioned before, I think the whole All Star Weekend should just be rearranged or just completely scrapped. Like got like. Even players, they don't want to be there. It's like it's it's it did nothing. It's doing anything for their career at this point. Like the players aren't playing hard. A lot of the guys don't want to be there. Look at Jimmy Butler. He doesn't want to be at the All Star game at all. All Star Weekend has just became just not as exciting as it once was when we were growing up. Okay, like when we was young pups. It's just not exciting at all. You know, they're not competing. So it's like, is it literally LeBron fought? Or is it just players just don't care no more to do those things? Because it's not helping their career in any type of way. 
and I think it could be perks into competing in a in a dunk contest and you showing out. Is it possibly you can get a, a decent commercial and a decent endorsement and the the blossom your name in certain ways? But now it's just like it's guys just don't care. Fans don't care as much, and players really don't care as much. I mean, I can't disagree with much you're saying, man. I, I will, I guess, push back a little bit here. Um, I'm sure, you know, Indianapolis, great city. Indiana Pace is a great city. You know what I mean? Indiana, great state, great city, whatever. Great place to be. All I'm saying is, like, it isn't like a attraction city where, you know, people are running to go. Um, I'm sure if, like, All-Star Weekend is in Atlanta, All-Star Weekend is in LA, All-Star Weekend is in Miami, you know, you're going to have more people attending. I'm sure the weather um, around that time you had some doing. Not giving them a pass because the place was empty. The product was terrible. Um, again, not blaming LeBron for the totality of the poorness um, in all of it, but, you know, like the players do have to care. I agree with you there. Um, it, it's just a situation that we're going to continue to watch evolve. And Adam Silver didn't seem happy with the events and his responses. So, you know, you just hope that there are going to be some more changes made and tweaks to try to improve the whole event. We didn't mean to spend 26 minutes on the All-Star game, the poor, poor All-Star game. Um, but you mentioned somebody, Jimmy Butler, who I was actually thinking about that very concept. Um, as you've heard a lot of the chatter today surrounding how bad the All-Star weekend and game was itself. Um, that's Jimmy Butler, you know, from an inside out looking perspective, you tend to grasp things or have true perspective before everybody that's on the outside looking in does. So Jimmy probably has been figured out that it's frivolous um, to go there or, you know, not at least rest up when everybody else really isn't going to put any effort into the situation anyway. It's basically, uh, you know, a parade. And that's not Jimmy's style. Jimmy's style isn't aesthetically pleasing. It's effective. Um, so I get it. Uh, on top of the fact that, of course, you know, he dealt with that recent tragedy in his family, which would have prevented him probably from being there anyway. But this is just speaking to the general nature of his, like, complete uninterest in even, you know, being an all-star or whatever like that. Now, since we're on the Miami Heat, we might as well stay there, right? Leaving the all-star break, the Miami Heat basically have put themselves in a position where they hold their fate in their hand. If they continue to play the way that they were playing heading into the all-star break, um, especially combined with some of the things you've seen from the other teams, or top teams in the conference that they thought they would have to face. The Miami Heat are firmly in the driver's seat of their own destiny. They can keep themselves, of course, out of play-in territory. They could probably make it into the top four of the conference. Um, and again, looking around at some of the teams that, you know, everybody thought was going to be the heavyweights, the contenders, the winners, the top of the Eastern Conference, um, they aren't looking their best while the Miami Heat are only doing what they seem to do every year around this time, which is find a way to improve and grow as a unit. That would be my assessment of the Miami Heat right now. How are you feeling about the Miami Heat as we enter the second half of the season? Uh, yeah, in this last, what, 20, 30 to but however many games left, I think it's maybe 30 games left. Um, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in the second half of the season. 
I think Miami they are a a, a, a team who who plays better during like this time, like gearing up for the playoffs. I think my I don't know I don't got the record in front of me I don't know what their record is but I do believe they like four games or maybe three games back from like the fourth seed or some somewhere like that right am I correct me if I'm wrong uh Joe but I I do believe we like maybe three game three and a half games back from the fourth seed um so and I'm Miami not really... are currently five games above five hundred at thirty and twenty five seventh in the nba eastern conference and i'm pulling up the records here now um they are yes it appears three games behind the fourth place new york knicks who are 33 and 22. the milwaukee bucks are third at 35 and 21 so five games behind them Six games behind the second place Cleveland Cavaliers at 36 and 17. And of course, you know, Boston sits in first at 43 and 12, but we don't need to catch them. We'll just beat them wherever we play. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't know if they catch Cleveland. Cleveland's are playing really good. They got a, a really good defense down there in Cleveland, man. Shout out to those guys. But I, I, I think, you know, it's a possibility they can catch New York, they can catch Philly with the uh, injuries that those guys have, and I'm not praising anyone for getting hurt. You know, that's kind of sad. But I, I do think, you know, with the injury to and B, they can catch the Sixers. And I, and Randall, I don't know how healthy Randall is. I think he's still dealing with a, uh injury himself. I think they can catch those those two teams and and, and maybe finish at, at four or five. I, I got them finishing at the five spot. And it it's good for seeing – you know, like you don't like we don't need them to finish in the, the top two seed. I, I I'm not afraid of Milwaukee in the playoffs. I'm not afraid of Cleveland in the playoffs. Milwaukee, I mean Boston, they're Boston. They'll probably reach to the conference finals and play Miami anyway, and that's going to be up to a game seven series. I don't think it's a, a any real threat in the Eastern Conference to Miami besides maybe Boston. I would agree with you, man. Um, and even them, as I've described in the last few days in several places, um, you know, they can be a little fugazi because we know that the Boston Celtics are going to shoot a lot of threes. Now, when they're making those threes, when the shot makers are shot making, it can become overwhelming. But the Miami Heat have shown a different level of effort and have gotten back to playing with their defense on the rope in the last couple of games, something that you hope continues to evolve and translate into the second half of the season, the second part of the season, of course, um, not being an even split. But you just have faith that the Miami Heat can do enough or can keep them out of a rhythm where, you know, they aren't just in total fuego. Because if you look at them when they're missing shots, they look just as poor, um, as, as good as they do when they're making them. With that being said, man, I, I did notice that over their last, I want to say, 28 games or so, the Miami Heat do have the Cleveland Cavaliers twice. So not only do you know does that give you an opportunity to win games and increase your numbers, but those are double whammy games where you can really make up space because not only are you adding a win, but you're actually adding a loss to their record as well. So, um, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility they could actually catch the Cavaliers too, and those two games head-to-head -head remaining are very key. 
um, to that factor. So that's what we expect from the Miami Heat moving forward as a team. Let's look at players moving forward. I just need one. Now, you can give me a little backdrop because I'm going to give you a little backdrop as well. But if you had to pick one guy, Dean, moving into the second half of the season, just one guy on this Miami Heat roster, who are you most excited about in the second part? Oh, I, I thought you were going to ask me something else. Who I'm most excited about? Wow, that's that's tough. Um, I'm going to go Duncan. I'm going to go Duncan. I, I think that he's the player I'm going to be Why so? most excited about because he's I think I think he's he, he's 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 finding his stride. You know like like he he's gearing up. He's gearing up. He, he finished off strong. You know leading up to the All-Star break, you know he he get his he got his rest, he got his confidence. You know the last 30 so games, I have many games left. You know now it's time to to really show up and show out. Um, yeah, Dunk, and plus, you know, Duncan's been playing pretty damn good, like the full season. Yeah, he hit a a, a minor wall, but besides that, he's been playing pretty good, especially these last what the last two games. I want to say two or two or three, but I know I mean yeah, but his last two games have been phenomenal. But I want to say that. Um, he's actually been playing really good ball for the last three games. I'm gonna check him out real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, like he's just been playing great, great basketball, and I I think he's gonna continue that. Once, like, once you got a comp your confidence as a shooter, it's like nothing can stop you. Like nothing, like, and we've seen how how horrible Duncan was when he didn't have his confidence and we seen him how great he was when he had that confidence. It's like nothing was able to stop this guy. And right now I think Duncan is playing and my, this is my, my opinion, man, from what I, what I'm seeing, he's not playing with that pressure. He once was last year to whereas though you miss a shot, you out the game. Like he, he was on such a short leash last year with, you know, he kept looking over his shoulders with Max and, you know, Whatever it came with, and this year is like they don't have that other guy to go to. Once if Duncan is is struggling, this year is like you're gonna have to play through your struggles. Towards last year, it was you know he had two or three bad looks, he wouldn't play again at all, and it was games to where as though he didn't touch the floor at all. To where this season is like Spo has no choice but to play him, and he has a way much longer leash. And so no, I, I think he's getting his confidence back. So I'm I'm super excited about Duncan going into the second half of the season more than any other player. Um, you stole my thunder, man. I can't argue with you one bit. You could have mentioned, you know, Nico Jovich. You could have mentioned Caleb Martin, who's finding his rhythm. Um, you could have finally mentioned Terry Rozier, maybe getting himself comfortable with this team once he gets back and get healthy. Um, you could have mentioned Jimmy Butler. This being the time of year where he really ramps things up heading into the playoffs. Um, you could have mentioned any number of guys, man, but I would have to agree with you, man. Duncan Robinson um, and what he's been able to do over the last couple of games from a shooting perspective, um, I really think that his showings are putting that pressure 
on the decision makers, mainly Coach Spo here, as far as how you're going to play him moving forward. Without all of, you know, your top talent outside of um, Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, meaning Jimmy Butler and Terry Rozier, um, they were able to not only, you know, battle against the Boston Celtics until the very end, but dismantle um, the Milwaukee Bucks and, of course, go ahead and Philadelphia 76ers, who, yes, were without Joel Embiid, but you know what I mean, still were a team capable of beating you. You, it really puts the pressure on, I think, Spo um, to have to look at what he can do to maintain this rhythm from Duncan Robinson. Now, with all that being said, though, that takes me to my next question that I had mentioned to you before we even started, or at least put on the docket as far as, like, the game plan for this show. What do you do about Duncan? Once you get everybody somewhat back or once you get fully healthy, are you now taking Duncan – and popping him back and, and, and plopping him back on the bench, seeing what he's done from a perspective of helping this team maintain energy, helping this team stay in movement, and just simply knocking down shots to help this team win games. How are you approaching that moving forward if you're Spo? What do you think he should do? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say what Spo is going to do. Duncan is not going to start and and these last – the, these last stretch of games, I know everyone is is pushing for to bench Tyler and and start Duncan. Spoh's just not going to do it, and he's not going to do it now that you know, like we in the latter of the season, it's just not going to happen. Um, honestly, you know, and I'm okay with keeping Duncan on the bench. You keep him on the bench, and you let him finish. You let him finish in games. Period. Like I mean, that that's just the the simple answer. You keep him coming off the bench and, you know, down the stretch in, in late games situation, he has to play. I, I would even, I would in certain situations, I would even, you know, have him playing before Tyler and, and, and you know, late stretches of games. Now I don't know how that is if, about what uh, Terry's being hurt, and I don't know how healthy he is. I know they said he was going to be reevaluated in like what was it three weeks? They said he was going to get reevaluated. I'm not sure was how it, long it's been. I don't know if it yeah. was that long. Was it that long? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't even remember, honestly. I'm about to check it out. But yeah, I, I, it's just the simple answer is you know keep him coming off the bench. I know a lot That's of, a and fact. I know you, you. I was one of those guys who said you know he should start over Tyler, but now it's at the point to where it's like it's just not going to happen and we all right all he fans we got to accept that i like the way you i mean you approach it though you said what spo is going to do um i mean everybody knows how i feel um and i think that this is proof on both sides of course duncan robinson is shooting the ball with extreme efficiency extreme marksmanship um and it's helping the miami heat team have life as a team because of his motion and it's keeping the, the 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 life with the rock, like the rock is moving because it has to move to find energy. But it's also a display of what Tyler Arrow can do. Tyler Arrow has shown you in these last couple of games that if you just put him out there and allow him to play at his own tempo or pace, then he can make some things happen, which I think when all things are even, meaning this team is fully healthy, it is ideal for him to be able to do that with the second unit. Plus, Duncan Robinson just gives the team an overall boost when he's playing more minutes because he's an expert shooter, still among the best in the league. 
Um, that was kind of a question for me that went without answering, but I just wanted to know how you felt about it. So when you look at him, I mean, he's first game coming out of the all-star break here. It is on Friday at eight o'clock at the New Orleans Pelican, as are their following three games to close the month of February. So on Friday, they'll be in New Orleans to play the Pelicans. On Monday, they'll be in Sacramento to face the Kings. That following day, Tuesday, February 27th, they'll fly over to Portland to face the Trailblazers before then heading to Denver on next Thursday, February the 29th, to face the Nuggets, the team that they faced in the NBA Finals last year. Looking at those four games to close the month, all four road games, Dean, if you had to pick right now, and again, that's at New Orleans, at Sacramento, at the Joe Cronins, I mean Portland, and at Denver, what would you say the Miami Heat would be going in those four games? Well, that's tough, man. Uh, wow, that's, that's a tough schedule. I go two and two. I, that's I fair. go two and two. So you're I, saying I'm, they beat New Orleans? Beat uh, you saying they lose to Sacramento and Denver? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I I don't know. I don't know who that. I, I like. It's just a tough game. Like I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Uh, that Sacramento, that Sacramento game. I think that's going to be a, a a really good game for them. I'm, I'm more excited about that game. I just think I think they go two and two. I don't know if they lose to Sacramento or New Orleans. Um, damn, that's a tough schedule. That's a good schedule too, man. If you're a basketball fan, is it? That's some good games coming up for Miami in the next four games. Listen, man, it's going to be tough. Everybody's going to be, you know, strapping their boots up, getting ready for the playoffs. You know, in this last stretch, it's going to be crucial for all teams. You know, so it's like it's going to be, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough, and Miami is one of the the, the toughest teams in the NBA. Tough coach team. It's time to strap on the boots and play some big boy basketball. So, for me, looking at this stretch of games for the Miami Heat, I see them going three and one, man. The Sacramento Kings can allow quite a few points. Um, and the Miami Heat, like I like we both mentioned, or but you know, as I've emphasized throughout the show, they're finding that Miami Heat defense again. I think they'll be able to control De'Aaron Fox enough um where he won't be able to kill them. Because if you look back, um Actually, just a few weeks ago, as they welcomed the Sacramento Kings into their building, um, they were pretty much able, and of course, you know, he's going to be on the prowl because of this, but they were pretty much able to hold De'Aaron Fox in check, um, only allowing him to score 13 points, drop off three assists, and grab five rebounds. But if you look at the first half, he had five points two assists and four rebounds in the first half, whereas he would finish in the second half with eight points, one assist, and one rebound. Basically, he did nothing. So I feel as though if the Miami Heat can continue to do what they did to limit him and make everybody else beat you, which I don't think they're capable of doing, then they'll have an outstanding chance to win that game in Sacramento. I think that the New Orleans Pelicans 
That's going to be a like great a, game. It is, but they're like a Dakota ring, man. Sometimes they work, and yeah. sometimes they don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could go in and get, like, a level nine team, honestly. When they're clicking, when they're clicking, it's probably three or four teams that could beat them in a seven-game series. If you're telling me they're going to be clicking all series, it's probably three or four teams that I could outright say you could beat them. But, what seed is they right now? Is, is, is they a top six seed? Um, they gotta be up there, man, don't they? Because I mean, last I checked, they were uh playing pretty good ball here. Trying to pull it up, guys. Sorry, bear with me. If you look at the Western Conference right now, they are the fifth seed tied with the Phoenix Suns at 33 and 22. They we're Sacramento top three. Sacramento is currently at eight at 31 and 23 a game wow. above the Los Angeles Lakers. So Minnesota is only six games ahead of New Orleans and Phoenix, two games ahead of Oklahoma City, who's at 37 and 17, um, who both sit a game ahead of the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets, who are both at, well, they both won 36, but it appears that the Nuggets have played two more games as they're 36 and 19, a 655, which is 65.5% winning percentage. And the Clippers are 36 and 17, which is a 67.9% winning percentage, which is why they are three, of course. They played two less quick games, question. but have won the same amount. Quick question for you, Kay. I want your honest, honest, I think I know what you're going to say, but I want your honest, unbiased opinion here, man. I, I, I was looking at some things just before the All-Star game and just, just looking at these two players. And I want your honest, unbiased opinion, man. Who do you think the better player is? And who would you rather have on your team? Bam Adebayo or Sabonis? It's closer than a lot of people think, man. I'm gonna give you. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna give you the answer that I believe in my heart. Okay. If my team is the Knicks or the Heat, I want Bam. If it's any other team, I probably want Sabonis. Okay. With this Heat team, simply, with simply this Heat team. So you can't do that. You have to be able, if if you're gonna break it down, you gotta segment it by coaches. So you can't say year to year, because then you know what I mean we slicing, we 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 pull it too, we split too many hairs year to year. So that's why I tried to go, and I was gonna get more specific just to kind of take myself out of that too, because I sound like I'm splitting hairs. If it's a Spo or Tibbs coach team, if it's I tell you what, I got three and Lord rest his soul. I hope he never plays with this guy because it's going to be a lot of heartbreak. But if it's a Spo, a Tibbs, or Doc Rivers coach team, I want Bam. If it's any other team, I probably want Sabonis. I'm going to say this, maybe, man. Maybe yeah, even Sabonis being... I want Bam. Because ain't Mike Brown a defensive guy too? Uh, nah, I'm not sure. I'm not being honest. I'm not is. sure. I just, I just think the Kings suck. But I think – because I think last year when they, you know, really hopped on the radar, it was because they had improved their defense so much. 
But like I said, if it's a defensive-minded coach, and there's only like three or four of them in the league, so you can't be, you know what I mean, at max. But a defensive-minded coaches, yeah. then I would want Bam, just to be clear. But go ahead. I'm going to cut you off no more. I, I was going to wait to give you my, my, my opinion on this until after the Kings game. I wanted to do a little segment on it. And uh, I think I still am. I think I'm a whole. I mean, off we can we can we can definitely no, we can definitely still revisit it. Um, this is probably actually a great setup for doing something after the Kings game. So no, it's a good it's a good thing that you asked, especially if you plan to you know revisit it after we plan. Honest opinion is, I think Sabonis is head and shoulders better than Bam. That's that's my honest opinion. I, I think he's head and shoulders better than Bam. And I, I know he fans, they're not going to believe so, and they're going to be in denial about it. But more than just stats, like this is just more than stats-wise, obviously Bam is the better defender. But if, if we really look into this, man, and, and, and take a deep dive into this, and just look at the film. Sabonis is, is, is head and shoulders, in my opinion, from what I see, better than Bam. I, I watched that game last. Oh man, who who did they? I can't remember. It was just before the All Star break. Just before the All Star break, I think the you talking about where they, they they were playing the Suns. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I I I because they I, lost. I, I yeah they, they, they lost. lost. The, they lost. It, they it lost it in loss. the end. Yeah, it was Phoenix. It was Phoenix. They lost it at the end. They 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 was up. They was up. They lost it. They lost it in the end. I think they lost by like four or five, whatever it was. Or maybe it was probably like two, whatever it was. Bro, Sabonis. It was, it was, it was only a couple of points. No, he was a dog in that game. He, man, he was a dog. A dog. He had like tw- 24, 13, and, and eight. I it was somewhere around there. So it made me look oh, up no, his he, stats. He, oh no, he had the triple double in that game. He had the triple double, bro. He he made me, like after the game. I just had to look. I looked up his stats, and I was like, and it won't like bonus. no, it won't it won't like no light triple double. It was like like I said, it was big yeah, points, bro. It, big it was some ridiculous, and like eleven dimes. Nah, I mean he a dog. I, I'll give you that. And and I remember when when the trade happened with a uh, Hollibird and and Sabonis, and everyone was like. Uh, Indiana won this trade and this, this, and that, and look, and I'm like, I'm not too sure if, if we just going to sit. I'm just going to sit here and concede and say, Indiana won the trade. But Sabonis is that guy, man. Like, he he's special, and I think the he's, he's he finished he, with thirty. He finished with thirty five, eighteen, and twelve that game. Yeah, sixty three percent shooting from the field. So that means he went man. fourteen of twenty two. 14 of 22. Come on, man. 87% like, from the free throw line. Seven of eight. Um, it was nine defensive crazy. rebounds, nine offensive rebounds. No, I mean, he was an animal. He was a animal in that game. Don't get me wrong. I agree. Bro, it, he's something special. I, I, I think, you know, he's not in, in too many big markets. So he was in Indiana, got overlooked. He made the All-Star team a couple times. I think maybe like he got like two All-Star appearances. Now he's in Sacramento, and, you know, 
they they trying to build some special there, get their names on the map, but he don't get the record the recognition that he deserves. I think he was if he was on a bigger market team like a Chicago or a, a Boston or LA or somewhere around there, you know, his game would, would be noticed. But man, he's something special. I, I think you know, we all talk about Bam being the third best center in the NBA. I don't know, man. I, I think you know Sabonis he, he, he might take that. I, I, I disagree with you. Um, I, I disagree with you from this perspective. I still stand on my answer, but my favorite team is the Miami Heat for a reason, meaning I would probably take Bam because I do it this way. When you're looking at a player, you have to think about how that's going to translate to the playoffs. And I think that what Bam is, I think they can do a lot of the same things. They have different mentalities, which is why DeMontis goes out and gets you big, huge scoring numbers. And I think Bam is taking a massive step in this season. And this, this, like this season, not just like, scoring numbers, though. Okay, like we can't, we can't say he just put up big scoring. He's putting up big numbers all around the board. Oh no, I agree, I agree. But Bam has been, you know, eating that glass up this year as well, and we know he can pass the rock. However, your whole defense, and you're consistently yes. one of the best defenses in the league, your whole defense is built around what Bam Adebayo does. Um, like, and if you're consistently one of the best defenses in the league, and, de- and your whole entire defense is built off what he's able to do for you, that speaks I mean, to the... But would you say that is in Sacramento? Like, you know, they all, they team is, is built around what Sabonis can do. I mean, we we could say that too. The Aaron Fox wasn't making the playoffs when 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 he was when he was that guy alone. Again, but that speak that speaks to their defense though, and that speaks to why they've taken a step back. So this is what I'm about to tell you. So that team is built off of what De'Aaron Fox is able to do from a pace and a penetration standpoint. Um, a guy like Sabonis, he's just gonna do what he gonna do anyway, anywhere, because he's just that good. But the team. Like what Murphy's able to do, what Monk is able to do. When they're operating at their best, it's because De'Aaron Fox got him going up and down. He's penetrating, kicking out. He's confusing your defense or getting to places before your defense can rotate, which throw everybody out of the loop and create open shots for everybody else. So I disagree with that. And I and, and back to that point of Sabonis being a game changer, yeah, you know, if your solutions are right, but they went. They made that run last year because of their defense, which explains why they've taken a step back this year, which has coincided with their defense coming back down to where it was prior to Mike Brown landing. And I will even say this. Yeah, a lot of people were scratching their head at the Halliburton trade. And, you know, Sabonis' performance may have, you know, made them be like, I don't know, man. Uh-uh, bro. Indy won that deal. Halliburton a dog. Halliburton transcended. Like, I like Sabonis, but he ain't Tyrese. Tyrese give you what Sabonis give you on offense, but he also does it both ways. So I, I think Indiana won that trade out and out. And that goes back, and I'm not not to cut you off again because I want you to retort to this, but that goes back to why I would take Bam. Bam is transcendent defensively. Where it's harder to be, where it's more valuable in the playoffs. What Bam does at a transcendent level is going to always be more valuable to you than what Sabonis does. Because especially considering the way he does it, 
with them allowing more physicality in the playoffs and the game slowing down, of course, that lends itself to him as well because he's a demon at that mid-free throw line extended area. But it's just like with the way that teams can focus in and key in on you as an offensive player in the playoffs, his superpowers are going to be able to be limited more than Bam's. And that's why I say that when considering the fact that Bam is capable of a lot of the stuff that Sabonis is on offense, but Sabonis is nowhere near capable of some of the stuff that Bam, of, of, any, of, of a lot of the stuff that Bam does on defense, that's why I would say Bam is probably the better one. But if you're going to tell me Sabonis is, I can't argue with it because, as I mentioned, 35, 18, and 12. I mean, yeah, Sabonis is not that elite defender that Bam is, but, I mean, he's not a scrub on that end. Like, he's not, he's not, he ain't terrible on that end. He's not, he's not as bad as people want to make him seem, but he's just average. Yeah, he's average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just average. Average. He's and average. that's the thing. If you look at Bam's offense, at worst, Bam is an above average offensive player. Like, you can say you want to shoot the ball more. You could say, I want you to become a more fluid finisher. But even with just what he does, his ability to be your main distributor, as well as all of that, makes him an above average. Now, I think Bam is a really good offensive player, which means he's not great, but he a click or two above average, too. So that, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of how I look at that. Yeah, I think Bam is... I think he's 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 just he's okay on the offense and he's decent. You know, it, 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 he's pretty decent on the offense. And I, I'm not going to go. He's I think he's above average offensive player. I, See, I think, I think you're looking at that as from his shot making perspective, though. And you got to realize offense. I know you do. I'm, we're having a conversation. Offense is more than just shot making, even though that's increased too. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I I just think he's he's just a. He's a he's just a, a, a pretty he's just average as an offensive player. Okay, good good deal. I tell you what, I'm like I said when you first sparked it, I'm glad you did. Um, that puts a little extra something on that Sacramento game. Um, in, yeah. the, in the biz break, in the biz break, um, after the Sacramento game, um, we will definitely have this conversation again. And of course, now this makes me want to say I hope Bam you know, show up and decide he's going to be offensive band that night because it'll really give us, you know what I mean, something to chomp our teeth into as far as discussing that. No, that's a really good um, discussion to have, man. But like I said, it just kind of depends what the focus of your team is, who you would choose as a GM, because there really isn't a wrong answer, especially not in this NBA. Yeah. I, 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 no, keep going. I'm sorry. That you just, oh, no, you good, bro. Was I was done. I mean, there ain't no wrong answer. Like, because what you know is that one through 82 – Sabonis going to have you in every game. Because like LeBron said when talking about the All-Star game, it didn't look that much different in regular games nowadays. Everybody's scoring a buck 20. And if you got a yes. guy who can go out – if you got a guy who can go out and create 60, 70 points worth of offense for you, and when you think about his 35, his 12 dimes, and his nine offensive boards, that's 60, 70 points created. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have a chance to be in every game. But if you also think about a guy like Bam where you can say, all right, get me to the playoffs, and then what you do in an environment where what you do, they put a premium on that, we also going to be fine like that. Like I think, you know, you just pick and choose depending on how your coach want to play. And we know when you're talking about our coach, Miami Heats, 
Eric Spolstra, top five is what I like to call him. You know, he probably would rather do it the way that Bam do it. Yeah. Listen, you're right. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a no wrong answer there. It, it, it just depends on, you know, who's your GM and, and who you want. What you trying to build your team around. And Bam right. fits perfectly in what Miami wants to do Absolutely. and what Miami has been doing since Pat got there. You know, so th- that was a pretty good comparison, what you said there. And, and you that's know, another good – I think that's probably another good way to look. You you said it, though, GM, and then when you said Pat, it really – Pat Riley going to choose Bam. Yeah, he's going to choose – and it's, it's like it's, – it's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. It's a pretty good argument to have, and it is some extra for us to talk about, you know, after the Kings game. Absolutely. And hopefully, you know, the offensive Bam does show up and, and you know, the all-star Bam don't show up. Oh man, oh man! But Bam said today on his on his own personal X account, um, I'm getting used to calling it X people. He posted the reflecting. He posted a, a basically um, a gift that illustrated reflection, and he was like, "Bleep me out, Joe." He was like, "Damn, they really don't pass the ball back in the All Star game." So you know, man, Bam just being his unselfish self, man. He won't get no looks. I think I looked at his stats like. Deep in the third quarter, maybe early in the fourth, I think he had like two attempts. Um, no, yeah, he, he had, had like three attempts. attempts. Oh, it was only two. Well, I know yeah. both of them was threes, right? Or one of them. Did he, he, his only three? he had the. I know he made one of the threes. He no, it was. A, I think it was a mid-range shot in like the first quarter. It was early. It was early in the game. It was early in the game, and I I think the second the second one so was three. So you actually did watch a game. Yeah, no, no, no. I I definitely did watch the All Star game. I watched it live. I didn't have to, you know. It didn't wasn't a replay, like like the uh, Saturday night events. I didn't. Oh, watch okay. That so you saying you didn't watch the you didn't watch anything leading up to the All Star game, but you watched the actual game. Yeah, yeah. No, I I watched oh. the dunk contest and the oh, three, I, I watched that. I just didn't watch it live. Like it, it came back on TNT okay. at like eleven thirty, and I watched fact, it. Fact. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. He was probably watching college hoops during the actual event. Okay. Um. Look, man. As we get ready to wrap this thing up, we'll we'll revisit. Um. Just one thing, real quick. You know, to kind of tie a ball around it. Dean said in these next four games for the Miami Heat, of course, coming out of the All Star break and to close the month of February, those four games being against the New Orleans Pelicans the Portland Trailblazers, the Sacramento Kings, and the Denver Nuggets, four-game road trip here. He's looking at two and two. Are you still standing on that after that conversation thing? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to be conservative and go with two and two. Hopefully, you know, they go four and oh, but I, I'm, I'm just going to say two and two just to be on the safe side. Yeah, bro. I mean, I think that's what I'm doing by saying three and one because I honestly believe – I mean, if we had to be honest, um, the only team that – like. Even in your opinion, I would say that the only team, and even if none of these teams this year put fear in your heart, the only team that might be like, all right, this might be a tough game, is Denver, right? I yeah. mean, every even if they lose the other ones, it should be a hotly contested game. But going to Denver, knowing the Joker, knowing the size they can throw at you, knowing that Jamal Murray can go off at any moment, especially having a little time to rest that leg or those lower ligaments um, that will bother him right before All-Star break, that looks yeah, like a tough Yeah, I was just going to ask, was he healthy? Right. 
Well, I know he was playing through it, but just having some time off to get off those legs, um, that's certainly going to help him, especially if he was playing through it before the break. But you always know going into elevation, the Miami Heat in Denver, they never play well in Denver. Um, that would be the thing. But considering how Denver has played a little inconsistent themselves before the All-Star break in this season um, in totality, they're not unbeatable either, especially considering how the Miami Heat were playing before the All-Star break themselves. We're talking that defense on the screen, and they were making shots, right? Yeah. So, right. I mean, three, so yeah, three and, th- three and one, two and two. Four and zero could happen. I really think they're gonna go three and one. They 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 need to go three and one. When you agree, yeah, at least three no, and one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. They need to go. They need to go four and zero. Right. Like, right. Honestly, right. They need to go four Agreed. and zero. But you know, I, I listen. These games, they're not as it's crucial in the one and lost column. But you know, it's not really that crucial because it's no really no conference games. Those are facts. You make a good point. You make a good point. And that's that's how actually how I was about to close when I was saying and, and we want to keep an extra focus on those games in the conference because those are the ones that gonna help us close the gap. But I would say to this point, you're right, but you also don't want to lose those games. Yeah, you don't want to lose behind them. your conference foes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um I actually think in this, you know, brief little hour, man, considering what we had to work with. Um a poo-poo all-star weekend. We actually did pretty good, man. Did you have anything else um, before we got ready to close out, man? Yeah, NBA. Don't, 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 don't show that 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 type of trash no more next ne- next year, man. Next February, you know, come better or just don't just don't display it at all, man. Like the all-star game. I'm I'm sorry to bring it back up, K, but it, it's just really bad. It's the like, players just don't want to be there. Like so, just don't send them. Like it should be an option to where though if if you know you get voted in, just like the Pro Bowl was, you know if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. Like give your spot to somebody who wants to be there. I don't know, man. That's just my opinion on it. I feel you, man. Look, I feel like it's an event for people that enjoy that type of stuff, and I I don't know who that is. Maybe that's the little kitties. Um, I like the three-point shootout. It was amazing. Um, Steph versus Sabrina, that was amazing. But everything else I could do without, man. I mean, I hope they do find a way to improve it, though. I hope they find a way to bring energy and life back to it because the All-Star game used to be something very special. Um, and it's just sad to see where it's going. But like you said, we ain't going to sit here and keep poo-pooing it. Everybody's been doing that since it happened. Um, that's pretty much all I got, man. So, like said, Dean, um, we'll be keeping a special eye on the Sacramento contest but especially on all four of these games with the Miami Heat. Um, and it should be a good little test coming out of the All-Star break. As we always say, um, we appreciate you for lending your ear to this sound, man. Of course, that's Dean. I'm Kay, and this has been the Biscayne Breakdown. Holla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I pull up on that scene.